The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, that sucked. Let's do some group therapy on the Believe in Astros podcast, shall we? What's up, H Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros, with your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blom. Now, here's Balky and Blomber. What is up, Astros fans? Welcome to a rather somber uh, episode 97 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balky alongside my partner, Jeff Blum. And well, it's time for postmortem on the Astros mm-hmm. as their season ended last night in a crushing Game 7, 11-4 loss to the Rangers. Morning, Blummer. How's your sports hangover? <clears throat> um, It's definitely a hangover. I mean... Yeah. I mean, it's it's a bitter pill to swallow, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of ironic. As I'm driving home, uh, you know, the, you're just kind of quiet. You're reminiscing over the season with your wife. And yeah. uh, all of a sudden on the radio comes on Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve Pipe. <laughs> and you're like, that's exactly what it is. It's just kind of bittersweet, you know. Yeah. We, we are so... I, I got to remind myself that this is the seventh opportunity they've had to go to the World Series. And in a season with so many ups and downs, mm-hmm. so many injuries, so many, ad, so much adversity that these guys have had to overcome, we still got to game seven. So kudos to the Astros, everybody in the organization, <clears throat> and everybody who fought hard on the field. Hell of a job. Did finish a little bit short because obviously we've been become uh, – uh, very, very uh, used to going to the World yeah. Series, but great season nonetheless. Yeah, we're spoiled, but seven straight ALCS appearances is incredible. Um, the fact that they <clears throat> made it to Game 7 of the ALCS, despite the fact that two days before the season was over, we didn't know if they were going to be in the postseason at it, all. At all. I mean, <laughs> it's one of the weirdest endings you'll ever see to a season. Um, They really had some struggles uh, in a lot of different areas. Um, Some they'll obviously need to address this offseason. Others, you know, just were what they were. Um, In Game 7, I think we saw, to me at least, it felt like some kind of the culmination of a lot of these things kind of imploding in upon themselves. It felt a little bit like an inevitable train wreck. Um, Christian Javier made it only a third of an inning before he got pulled. He's been having great starts lately, but clearly, listen, I don't want to praise the Rangers, but let's be honest. They had a great approach last night. They decided to come out swinging. They've been struggling against the high fastball. They adjusted to that. Um, And, you know, it, it made the difference in the game and, you know, you like Dusty Baker said in the postgame, you know, you never want to tip your hat to anybody, but their lineup is deep. And uh, honestly, after watching the last couple of games, you kind of are just happy the Astros made it to game seven. 
Yes, the Rangers offense is legit. We knew that from the get-go. And, uh, you know, th- that's what they they built. They went out and mm-hmm. bought and paid for that offense, and yep. they've got it to, to work extremely well. So that's a credit to the Texas Rangers for going out there and executing game plans. And you kind of said something in that sentence and in that statement that really jumped out to me and that was really uh, evident throughout the course of, the, of this series. And even though that the Rangers only score only – I wish the Astros had scored this many runs at home. They only scored 12 runs at home in right. three games in Arlington. That, 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 that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea that they're still able to go out there and swing it, even though they lost three games in Arlington. But the, the word that you said was the adjustments. The second time they faced Christian Javier, they got to him. They made the adjustment from facing Framber Valdez throughout the course of the season. They knew how yep. to attack him. And it was that selective aggressiveness that was really good because they went out there with that Corey Seager approach of, I'm looking to hammer the first pitch. If it's not something I want, I'm going to spit on it. I'm going to wait until I get a pitch that I can handle, and I'm going to go after it and drive it. And they kind of showed a little bit of power, mm-hmm. and they showed a little bit of ability to hit with runners in scoring position, which mm-hmm. you really got to appreciate because on the other side, that's something we did not see from the Astros was that hitting with runners in scoring position. Yeah, they seem to take a page out of the Astros book um, and really yeah, use it. was it. very reminiscent of Astro offenses in the past. Yes, Absolutely. I agree. Now, having said all that, somebody on Twitter last night was like, hey, shouldn't we root for the Rangers now? Um, no, absolutely not. I'm not rooting for the Rangers. Who are they kidding? Listen, it's the, it's Dallas. I'm not rooting for well, the Rangers. That makes, that's, uh, that's kind of uh, oxymoronic. Is that is yeah. that the right thing? Because you hate them so vehemently for the last 48 years, however long yeah. they've been in existence. And then just because they beat you in the championship series, oh, I'm going to cheer for in-state. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, let's, let's cheer for the guy that just stole your girlfriend. Let's just let's yeah. let's root them on and hope for their tremendous success. Like no thanks. Yeah, it's like that that meme of that guy looking back at that chick, yes. you know, and, and, and while he's got his girlfriend. So you're going to hold on to your Astros yet look at the Rangers? Yeah, no, I don't think so. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Uh, there were some bright spots for the Astros in the series. I mean, Jose Altuve. Look, Jose Altuve is just oh. a legend. He is a legend, um, and and Jordan Alvarez is becoming one. Um, just really from, I mean, Jordan Alvarez, six straight multi-hit games in the postseason, never been done before. Jose Altuve, now two home runs shy of Manny Ramirez for the all-time record. Mm-hmm. You just got to watch those guys in Marvel. I mean, they're incredible. Yeah, I don't care what you feel about them. You, it, at the end of the day, if you're sitting there arguing, oh, but they they did this, they did that, shut up up man because you know what you're gonna get blown out of the water by by the career stats the dude has played in over 100 postseason games uh he has won batting titles he has been consistent with or without whatever you think that you thought he used that he didn't use right and give the guy some credit because the over the overarching career is gonna dwarf any ridiculous comment that you make on Twitter because you feel that hitting the send button validates your idea. It doesn't because this guy overwhelms everything you've ever thought because he's been able to go out there and do it for as many years as he has. And he's only two home runs behind Manny Ramirez now, as far as uh, the home run title in the postseason, which is remarkable. And uh, Jordan Alvarez, 
I'm not sure why, but you and I and a lot of people here in Houston have been going, this guy's going to be good. And then he gets better. And the next year he gets better. And then all of a sudden we saw what we saw in this postseason. Like you said, six straight multi-hit games in the playoffs against the best pitching mm-hmm. in, in, in all of baseball. This guy is legitimate, but it for whatever reason it takes uh, you know a national broadcaster to say what we've been saying for four years now. But he's legit. I'm telling you, if I was Bruce Bochy before the last two games, I would have gone to the umpire before the start of the game, and I'd have been like, anytime he comes up, just walk him. I don't care if there's bases loaded. I don't care. I'd put him on. It's just, it's ridiculous. He's Barry Bonds-like. He is Barry Bonds-like. And that was, I said that two years, I'm not going to try and tout myself. I'm just saying that this this was a comment that I made two years ago because he was on a stretch where he was hitting, you know, 15 home runs in a month. But every time he didn't get a pitch, he didn't chase it. He walked. Yeah. That's why his OPS is over a thousand comparable to what Barry Bonds did in his career. He has got the eye, he's got the discipline, and he's got the power and the ability to get base hits. That's why he's going to continue to project in that era or in that idea of maybe a Barry Bonds. But you kind of you kind of hit on something. Bochi managed his ass off. He's got he an really electric did. lineup and he granted he's got the keys to maybe a you know a Lamborghini or <laughs> you know a GT350 or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it and he let it run but at the same time he made some very quality moves that were maybe under the radar and overshadowed by a very good offense and quality pitching at the time. Well, you know, he 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 did some really I thought some pretty savvy maneuvers the kid is it carver that the center fielder like he he would bring him in after just a couple of innings yeah evan carter yeah yeah evan carter he he was a big piece he brought him in just in strategic places that i thought were really smart he pitched around guys he needed to pitch around when when they could he was good at like honestly their bullpen was was pretty good in this postseason uh series despite being you know so maligned and so terrible earlier he really did spend quite a quite a gem of a series against the Astros. You got to and he look uh, two of the mm-hmm. oldest managers in baseball, and you know they they went after one another. I thought Dusty Baker honestly was quite good in this series, up until I feel like maybe the last game or two where he made a few questions. I think you know there were a few times when he just didn't seem to want to pull the trigger on things that he maybe should have. But overall, I thought it was a pretty well managed series by both. Yeah, and I, I think that Game 7 was just, you know, a microcosm of the 2023 season. Yes. You know, bad pitching at bad time, uh, offense goes quiet at a bad time, <laughs> yeah. some questionable defense, and just inconsistency. And then maybe guys in positions, you know, where they shouldn't be, or yeah. maybe guys that weren't in the position we thought they should have <laughs> right. been. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it, we can we can sit here and break down Game 7. The Astros got blown out, but at the same time, there were three other other home games that they were very much in reach of going out there and winning yeah. and just weren't able to win at home. And that, that I mean, I saw an amazing stat that in the last 29 home games, including the postseason, the Astros were 7-22. and 22. God, that is an incredible And that answers st- why they're not in the World Series. Well, and look, let's be, let's be honest. We'll, we'll talk about it right now. They are the only team in the history of of professional mm-hmm. sport in North America who has now lost two seven-game series where they lost every home game. Before 2019, that had never happened in any professional sport. And now it's happened twice in the team that had it happen is the Astros. I, I started thinking about I started thinking about this th- this past week. 
and it's been coming up for me more and more in my head, and I've, as my friends bring it up with me too. Do the Astros need, as an organization, need to think about having a larger discussion with players, with coaches, with whoever, to analyze like what specifically might be creating this problem? I mean, listen, the Astros yeah. have a lot of right-handed bats, right? And mm-hmm. it seems to me that throughout the – if you just kind of look at the numbers, the lefties have been – have have done pretty well in Minute Maid Park. You would think right-handed bats would do really well because of the short porch and left. That hasn't been the case. So you have to start wondering, is there something that is physically going on? We talked about the batter's eye earlier this year. I wonder if the Astros as an organization, I mean, Jim Crane, you know he's not going to be happy about any of this. So he's going to do whatever due mm-hmm. diligence he has to. You have to start wondering, do they need to look at the configuration of what is going on inside Minute Maid Park and see if there is some sort of an issue there. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And it may that may be a multiple podcast conversation I because agree. You, you start to unpack a lot of that and what's going on at home, not just you know everything around the ballpark, everything in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. uh, everything at home before these guys get there. Mm-hmm. Because yes, there's responsibility on the organization to put your team in the best position to win, but there's also you know there's responsibility on the player itself. Yeah. You know what am I doing wrong at home? <laughs> how, do, how do I fix this? Do I need do I need to go to uh, Ninfas or do I need to go to El Tiempo? <laughs> you know where, where's that meal that's getting me the hits? You know it comes down to stuff like that sometimes. Yeah. But at the same time, you know what what did you you do on the road that made you so successful and how do you how do you get that at home um you mentioned the batter's eye i'm kind of over the batter's eye just because um just because the opposing team does a pretty damn good Mm -hmm. job hitting in the same situation um and now maybe it's left-handed pitching you you know maybe getting a left-hander that throws out of that uh that arm slot that's tough to see out of that backdrop i don't know yeah but i like your idea of sitting down and getting getting three three to five uh guys in your lineup get guys that have been been there for a while like mm-hmm. a Bregman and Altuve uh obviously have Jordan Alvarez in every mm-hmm. conversation you have and Absolutely. then get 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 Yiner Diaz in there right. get Gray Kessinger get guys that are younger who are getting used to that and then just all of a sudden throw everything on the table and go look if one guy couldn't see, the other guy could see. Okay, well, that kind of offsets the batter's eye. Well, what else is going on? Right. And then have that discussion. But have and, – and on the other hand, have all your baseball ops guys mm-hmm. that write algorithms. And then have uh, your front office, have Jim Crane and you know uh, the business side of it get in there just so that everybody's looking at this from different angles and maybe you come to something. I like that idea of yeah. you know, t- just kind of a team powwow and see what's going on. I'm kind of interested – and maybe I'll dig a little bit into this over the next week or so I'm very interested to see the the overall splits at Minimade Park. I'd be very curious to see how have right-handed batters done against righties, against lefties, how why, lefties wh- done. The other thing is, why was it this year? Well, you're true, Blum, but if you go back, 2017 was kind of like this too. You know, they weren't Yeah, they were they, they were average at home, yeah. And and if you look at the numbers overall, I saw somebody posted a stat saying that overall at home the Astros have not been great over this era. They have been only 2019. Yeah, and that was the greatest right. team I've ever seen. Right, exactly. So I I it's And it's they weird. lost every home game in the World Series. Exactly. So I just feel like it's it's a conversation that has to be had just to figure just to see look, maybe nothing is wrong. Right. Maybe this is just in people's heads. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's just, you know, who knows? Maybe this is just 
one of those weird anomalous things that happens. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they owe it to themselves to try and figure it out. You know, it's like maybe I'm just uh, dizzy because I've got an ear infection or because I just woke up too fast and jumped out of bed, or maybe I've got a brain tumor. I don't know. Maybe an MRI would help. You know what I'm saying? It's like, just Mm -hmm. try to diagnose something. We don't know what it is, but figure it out. See if you can figure it out. Aside from that, well, I do think there, Oh, I'm sorry. Blumber say, go ahead. Go ahead. No. And just be open-minded too. have like you you nailed it with having the conversation and be open-minded both on the management side and the player side. Just be, just be like, we need to correct this. How do we do it and have that open mind? Well, take just take a wide open approach. Say, all right, let's. And mm-hmm. by the way, Major League Baseball has always been very open about allowing uh, organizations to tour other facilities, right? Yeah. Why not go check out the Mariners Stadium? Go check out Arlington. The Astros hit so mm-hmm. well in some of these ballparks. Go figure that out. Like, why are True. they hitting so well That's there? That's another great idea. What What's the deal? Like, what and what can you do to sort of mimic? So, look, Arlington's a lot like Houston. We've talked about it. Mimic made park, right? Yeah. But there's got to be some differences. And it can't just be, well, the crowd is annoying. <laughs> you know, or maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> But we let's I don't know. It, it out. seems to be half Astros when they go up there. Oof. Ain't that the truth? Um, so let, there are a few guys I am concerned about. We should, you know, going into the off season, uh, we'll get into. More I hate off this season. part, but it has to be done. I know we'll we'll go into some more <laughs> off season stuff in the in the next week or two. But but just from this just this series and really looking at this season, that okay, we know that Martin Maldonado is at a tough year. And we know that he is he is a free agent. If he comes back, he's likely coming back on a backup role. If he doesn't, he'll move on to some other team. Uh, you know, I think we all know Yiner Diaz is the is the is the guy of the future at the catcher. Okay, that's fine. But then we have to start looking and say, okay, what happened to Jeremy Pena this year? There's been a lot of talk about his swing. Do you think they go through? I mean, look, he's only hit ten home runs this year. He obviously is hitting a boatload of ground balls. You know, he's getting on top of the baseball a lot. Is this a guy – I've got to assume the Astros are going to try to retool his swing a little bit this offseason. Um, harder to do during the season, obviously. What do you think you do if you're a guy like Jeremy Payne and you find yourself no longer driving the ball like you had before? Man, this is a, t- this is, this is a tough one because um, I think – you know, he's gone a good four or 500 at bats. Yes. I feel like, I mean, the last home run he hit was maybe in June or July or something crazy yep. like that. And he did try to make some swing adjustments uh, throughout the course of the mm-hmm. season before reverting back to uh, some semblance of what he what his swing was in 2022. Right. And I don't, man, it's so, it's so hard to dissect, but I would imagine you talked about the Astros trying to, you know, recommend overhauling a swing. I think that Jeremy Pena, you know, should, should really kind of evaluate and look at a lot of video for the next two weeks. You know, if he wants to watch the world series, watch the world series, which I'm sure he will. But at the same time, in between at commercial breaks, I would continue to watch, just watch my swing from 2022 to 2023 and see if I can find any differences. And if I do find those differences, just make some notes. And after a couple of weeks, after the season's over, and I've got my, you know, I got my legs back under me, I'm feeling healthy again. 
maybe get back in the cage and start tinkering a little bit because it's not going to be easy to kind of overhaul a swing, but you do have an entire off season to go do that because the power is going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, he's fantastic defensively. And I think yes. if he does hit 260, 270, steals bases and scores runs, I'm still going to be fine with Jeremy Payne at shortstop. But knowing that I've got the potential of a 20 home run guy right. in that body, I'm going to try and find that guy because if I can if I can maximize the opportunity with that swing, I'm going to find it, and I think that's where he's got to be. Well, yeah, he's not Adam Everett to pull that you know out of there. No, where, you yeah, know, I'm with you. He's yeah. not a solely defensive player that's going to be out that's there. A good he, point. Is, he is a very good You're hitter. Fire today, dude. Hey, that's what happens sometimes. Your brain. <laughs> look, I was awake for a long time last night trying These to figure. Endorphins it. are popping. I was up. I was just like. You know, I don't. You know, I'm not a super emotional guy when it comes to these types of things. Normally, normally I try to mm-hmm. be, but last night I was. It was. It was all coming out of me. Maybe it was because I just mm-hmm. got my brother-in-law Eric, who's the biggest Astros fan. He was like, he is a, a, an emotional volcano when it comes to the Astros. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, he. So maybe maybe he got me fired up because I talked to him right before the game. But I tell you. With with you know with a guy like Pena, the thing that's interesting to me about him is that it's not just that he lost his power and that it seemed to just disappear. Because you're right, his ten home runs all came in like the first third of the season, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing with Pena that's fascinating to me is his strike zone recognition got better this year. He struck out yeah. less. He was actually better at seeing the ball. He was better at taking pitches, and yet. When he did swing at pitches, he had he just couldn't connect with him. He just didn't barrel anything up. His I haven't looked at his barrel rates, but they've got to be way down from last year, despite the fact that his strike zone recognition is up. It's weird. It's bizarre. Yeah, and that's where you kind of find yourself. Do I want the home run strikeout guy, or do I want the put it in play soft contact guy and no strikeout? I don't know. You know, I think a lot of us would probably rather have the power guy up there than you know than the guy that's just kind of punching it around with low exit velocities. But, I'm with you as far as the barrel rate could give us a good indication of what's going on. I mean, he sure is more fun when he's hitting home runs. <laughs> I'll say that. And the guy defensively, he's a vacuum cleaner. At shortstop, he so. makes it look too easy, oh. man. Sometimes he, this sounds terrible, but this is the ex-ball player. Sometimes mm. it pisses me off how easy <laughs> he makes it look. Him and Bregman, dude. man, that left side of the infield, dude. Defensively, I'm like, you sons of bitches, man. <laughs> like it's not that easy. You guys make it look good, buddy. You think I don't look at great musicians sometimes and be like, man, f you. Are you kidding? Damn that guy. Like, what did you just He's do? Way better than I am. <laughs> it's like not just way better, but like I can't even imagine. I, I saw a guy years ago. This guy, Victor Wooten. I remember watching him play and saying, I didn't even know that was physically possible. Mm-hmm. And that's that's yeah. the kind of nonsense. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't blame you for being pissed about that. The other guy, <laughs> I feel like it, we've got to kind of talk about. Listen, there's a lot across the spectrum, and we'll we'll dig into that later. But Kyle Tucker really, really just – he looked like a mess this postseason. I mean, he looked like a shell of himself – and here's the thing about Kyle Tucker. He's never been great in the postseason. You look at his numbers. He's always mm-hmm. been a very mediocre player in the postseason. But he's never been like this. And you just saw him. Like, I don't know about you, Blummer, but it looked to me like his body language was just wrong in this series. Yeah. There was a lot of slumping. You know, he was mistiming jumps in the outfield, stuff that he doesn't normally do. Defensively, he looked off. Uh, I don't know what, I mean, a friend of mine was like, is there something going on with his family? Like he just did not look like Mm. the Kyle Tucker 
that we're used to. And even though he had a great season by all, by all measurements, um, just did not look right. Yeah. Well, shoot. I hope nothing comes out about his family and he was dealing with something in the middle of it or an injury. Even, I mean, that would be, that would be terrible because, you know, we are going to pass judgment because the numbers just don't match up to what we saw with the regular season. Right. And you know, why don't, why not compare him to other guys on his team? You know, there's, you know, Alex Bregman yep. had a had a pretty good has had pretty good regular seasons, but he's great in the postseason. Yes, you've got Jose Altuve, uh, who's been great <clears throat> in the regular season. He's able to take it into the postseason. Jordan Alvarez, you know, we could name a couple of different yep. guys, and uh, you know the Carlos Correas who have good regular seasons but really explode in the offs in right. the postseason. And you know, to Tucker's credit, he is a phenomenal talent. He he is a he's a legitimate for me 30-30 guy. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that he can he is a gold glove caliber <clears throat> when he wants to be. But I think what we saw in this postseason is maybe a little bit of that moodiness and taking some of those at bats to the outfield. Yeah. And in, and it turned out to maybe hurt the team a little bit. But at the same time, if you're if you're a ball player, um you know, if you have the opportunity in the postseason to do damage, mm-hmm. what are you going to be remembered for? Are you going to be be remembered? And this is a, I mean, I don't know if this is fair or not, but are you going to be remembered for what you did in the regular season, mm-hmm. or are you going to be remembered for what you did in the postseason? And what's interesting is that you're going to say Kyle Tucker, phenomenal regular season guy, but couldn't get it done in the postseason. Right. There's always <clears throat> going to be that but at the end of the sentence for him, and until he turns it around. And unfortunately, this postseason, it, it got to him again. It's it's frustrating for us to watch because we know how damn good this guy mm-hmm. can be. But for whatever reason, it just snowballed in this postseason. You know, I I forget who it was that said it. NBA player, uh, old timer said. I set you up for this because I love this quote. It's like in the regular season, you make your name. In the playoffs, you make your fame. And uh, and that's just kind of how it goes. There's a reason why he had, you know, why Reggie Jackson has Mr. October on everything. I mean, it's weird, but I would do it too. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I think the interesting thing, let me, I want to ask you about this, Blummer. You said something that was really interesting to me. And I'm curious for, as from a, from a former ball player perspective, how often does one part of the game impact another? So you said he took his bat at bats out into the outfield with him. How do you, it, how often does that happen? And what do you do about that when that, when that comes up? Oh, it definitely happens. You know, if you're slumping, you know, you could go one of two ways. You can slump and you can run out to the outfield and take those at bats and just kind of hang your head and dwell over every single pitch mm-hmm. you've seen. And if you're thinking about that, you're not going to react to what's happening in front of you at that given moment, right. depending on if you're playing the infield or outfield. You're going to get a bad jump because you're going, why couldn't, why didn't I square up that fastball? Oh shit, here comes the ball. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, and this is, I, I did that early on in my career, but I understood that, you know, my, my at-bats were going to be limited because I was that utility type guy. Mm-hmm. So was I going to sit there and dwell on every at-bat or was I going to go out there and try and prove that I belong on a roster by playing good defense? And I think what you see with a lot of guys, and, you know, this may happen for a Jeremy Pena, this may happen for, uh, you know, guys like Mauricio Dubon and Alex Bregman, but, you know, in, I think even Jose Abreu kind of mentioned it uh, during the course of the season is if I'm not, if I'm not my, my philosophy was if I'm not getting hits, 
I'm not going to let anybody else get hits. Right. You know, I want somebody else to feel my pain. So I'm going to go out there and maybe try a little bit harder or be a little more ready on defense. And I think that's a mentality you've got to adopt as a player. And I think the longer you play, the more you understand that and the more you respect that. Mm. Because when I take my at-bats onto the field, that's selfish. There's eight other guys on that diamond with me fighting tooth and nail to win these games. And I need to support them the best I can. If it's not with my bat, it better damn well be with my leather. Yeah, no doubt. And it's a good way to put it. And it's also, it also, I, I know from, well, from anything, sports or otherwise, if, if you have the ability to take part of whatever it is you're doing and be, and be really solid in that, mm-hmm. it eventually does translate to the rest as well. You know, if you yep. if you're struggling in one part of something, if you can just be like, all right, I'm going to bear down and make sure I do this right and well, then it, it will eventually translate. I, I've never interviewed Kyle Tucker before uh, or really spoken to him, but he does seem like a very soft spoken kind of introspective dude. And uh, so, uh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a little sports psychology wouldn't hurt. You know, just to give him a little yeah, chance. Yeah, nobody's above to, it. You know. Not this day and age. Oh, no, absolutely man. not. I mean, anxiety is real. Pressure <clears throat> is real. Uh, the money you're playing for. I mean, you're trying to provide for family. Oh, yeah. You're trying to provide for your team. None of that's real. Do not. I mean, nobody should. If, if he wants to talk about it, talk about it. If he yeah. doesn't, do it behind closed doors. Yep. Do not be ashamed of it, of the opportunity to to try and be better and use use some different avenues uh, to, to mix that up a little bit. Do not be ashamed of that. Absol- it happens to a lot of us. Absolutely not, dude. You're talking about someone who suffered from anxiety for his entire life. Like, I didn't realize until my 30s when I went to the doctor and he's like, how are you doing otherwise? I'm like, fine, other than waking up in the middle of the night feeling like I'm going to die. He's like, what? Yeah. And I said, I, and he goes, he, goes scary. he said, you have panic attacks? I said, is that what those are? Like, I, and he goes, how long have you been having them? I'm like, I don't know, since I was born. Man. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you don't, when that stuff hits and you don't know what's going on and then you finally figure it out. It's a massive change in your life. It radically alters uh, mm-hmm. how you perceive everything. And, you know, and so if if that is the case, and I don't know that that is, but if it is, psh, man, by all means, like there is, mm-hmm. you don't, there should be absolutely no stigma on anybody struggling with any, I mean, mental health is no different than physical health. You know, no. if you've got a, if you've got a problem dealing with something psychologically, it's no different than if you got a, a you know, a blown spootinator to quote, <laughs> to quote, lower. you know, sometimes, you the blown, it, sometimes the blown spootinator is in your head, not in your rest of your body. <laughs> Damn right. You may as well Damn fix it. Right. So it was reported, widely reported last night. And Chandler Rome was the first one that Dusty Baker has told people that he is intending to retire uh, it has not been officially confirmed. Um, it seems like the right time for for Baker, who's been just a you know an incredible uh, manager and player for so many years. Um, I, I should know. We've had a lot of issues with Dusty Baker over the course of this year. Uh, all of Astros fans have, but it's worth noting that I'm not sure if, if there was anyone better than Dusty Baker to shepherd them through the last five years. Mm-hmm. I mean. He really righted the ship, stabilized the organization at a time, gave them legitimacy at a time when the rest of the world wanted to burn them to the ground. Um, I, it, it, to me, you know, if this is his, you know, swan song and he is it, he is retiring, uh, he's deserving of all the praise you can lump on him. Whatever, you know, issues may have transpired over the last year. 
No, he warrants every every platitude you can throw at him because he, he deserves it. He is he's a baseball lifer and with good reason too, because he's brought so much to the game. He played the game hard. He managed the game hard, and uh, you know he he did the best that he could. And I can't agree with you more with Jim Crane. You know, hiring Dusty in in, in, in a tornado of, mm-hmm. of controversy and negativity to hire a guy like Dusty Baker meant the world to not only the city of Houston but those guys in that clubhouse. Mm-hmm. He diverted a lot of a negative attention because he <laughs> he had that prestige and that uh, that honor in the game, and he put up a good shield for those guys in a time of need. And he did, like you said, shepherd those guys through some tough moments. This dude has experienced everything, the mm-hmm. greatness and the, and the and the bad part of not just baseball but but yeah. society and he has learned and gleaned a lot of information and given that back to the players um I love Dusty. He's always been a positive influence on me, even when I've been playing against him. I have a lot of experience with him being a manager on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked a lot of stories, and he's one of the better people in the game of baseball. And no matter what the decision he makes, I'm going to cheer him the rest of the way. Um, you know, that Hall of Fame speech is going to be legendary because oh, yeah. he is going to go in the Hall of Fame for that playing and that managerial career. But at the same time, you know, let, let's let the season cool a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, before we start to uh, expect Dusty to make any decisions like that. Yeah. Because I think he also said in his postgame presser, you know, it, it's a time to evaluate because when you're in the moment, that's all you're worried about is mm-hmm. how do I get to the next W in the next game? How do I sure. move on to the next day? Now that day is gone because game seven did not go the Astros way. And now you sit back, reflect, evaluate and move on. He'll make the prudent decision. And I think the Astros will, too. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really good way to sum it up. If if we are heading in the offseason, before we get deep into that, because like I said, we'll we'll dig into the offseason when it gets when it's a little less the uh, season is a little less fresh in our memories. But um, is, since we are talking about that, setting managerial issues aside, it, there are going to be a number of priorities the Astros are going to have to deal with this offseason. Um, if you if if somebody asked you where do you start, like where's the first place you go? Um, you know, when you're deal when you're talking about dealing with those offseason priorities. Uh, you, you make a list of who's becoming a free agent. And I think if you actually just, if you looked at it immediately right now in this given moment on October 24th, you say, you know, we have, uh, we have an issue at catcher. Mm-hmm. We, we don't know who our center fielder is. Mm-hmm. Those are the two for me. Uh, we're losing Michael Brantley in left field. Mm -hmm. So we're going to need that left-handed, uh, you know, bat in left field possibly. Mm -hmm. And then I'm looking at the starting rotation. I think the bullpen did well enough, but you're looking at the starting rotation. But I'm also, when you look at the starting rotation, you have got to remind yourself that health was not on the side of the Astros this season. So when you wake up in, in, uh, February and you start to send out all the, uh, the itineraries and get guys to spring training, there's, there's a strong hope in my mind and in my heart that Lance McCullers Jr. and Luis Garcia will be back in that rotation. And, yeah. uh, you know, you know, is Fromber Valdez going to be in that rotation? I think the rotation's a, a big part and maybe the starting point because at catcher, we know, like you just mentioned earlier in the podcast, Yiner Diaz is going to slot in. Mm-hmm. He is going to be that catcher. 
Now you got to worry about the backup. So you now you have to think about center field. Is Chaz my guy? Where are we going to move on from that? But the rotation is the primary issue for me because I need somebody to protect Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. I need to get Framber Valdez right. And if I get those two guys healthy, like I just said, that's a strong foursome right there. It is. And you have to assume Hunter Brown's going to, you know, get better. Mm-hmm. Um, Compete. Yeah. <clears throat> you, you, you also, I mean, and there are, like most of the free agent issues are going to be in the bullpen. Hector Neris is going to yes, be up right. for free agency. Phil Maton's going to be up for free agency. Maton, so Stanek. Stanek. So you're going to have to make some decisions there. But bullpen arms, you can. The Astros have been pretty efficient at at procuring bullpen arms throughout the years. Um, yeah, as the, long as you don't pay Montero type money, you can go find some guys. <laughs> as somebody said, somebody said, it, it, can we mention the fact that they gave Montero they they gave Neris money to Montero? It's like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. I will say this. I'm going to throw one name out there, and then we'll, we'll obviously more of this is to come in the weeks to come. But Cody Bellinger, I mean, <clears throat> you cannot argue that he has had a, he had an incredibly productive season. He's a left-handed bat. He's an elite defensive player in center field. Also plays first base, which mm. means he could back up uh, Abreu, who clearly needs more time off during the season. Uh, because yeah. he was better when he had time off and he came back. Um, that's a guy, if you, the Astros are going to start throwing around money, that might be the guy to look at uh, to heave some money at this offseason. All right, a couple of baseball things before we finish up. <clears throat> First, I want to address the officiating in this postseason a little bit because oh, it has been horrible. Like, it, it, it's been bad on everybody. Like, I was, I was reading a story about how, like, in the – NLCS, they were complaining about the poor officiating. In in game six of this series, the strike accuracy percentage was 73%. One in four strikes was called incorrectly. I mean, you cannot have that. That is just – you can't have that in the postseason. You shouldn't have that in the regular season. But you, what is Angel Hernandez back there? Like you cannot – you can't have this. And so – my question and and my sort of wondering is because there have been a lot of complaints it's not just coming from the Astros and the Rangers does this incentivize major league baseball at all to start moving towards the you know the batter the uh, the uh, system to question balls and strikes i mean they've had massive success with the pitch clock this year uh, with the you know the the all of the different things they've done to to improve offense, <clears throat> if you do that, let's just say it. If you do that and you tighten up the strike zone, guess what also increases offense. That's oh the, damn right! So many strikeouts this year is like more strikeouts than ever. So if you tighten up that strike zone, you're not going to have as many strikeouts. You're going to have more offense. That's what they want. I mean, they already had in AAA. Just saying. Well, everything starts there. Manfred's not afraid to unilaterally make a decision. So who knows what he's doing? But, you know, that's the disclaimer at the at the beginning of this topic is we know we're Astro fans, but this has been league wide. Yes, this has been everybody. And I I couldn't agree more. And I had this conversation on a radio station uh, just yesterday Mm -hmm. that it's not just the Astros Rangers series. It has been it has been everywhere in the playoffs. And you figure that, you know, these these umpires are graded out. 
and they're given opportunities in the postseason for being good. I don't know what's happened here in the last couple of like you know the last ten games on both sides it, it, where the zone has just all of a sudden yeah. become erratic. It's been inconsistent, and that's the only thing as a hitter. Just be consistent, right. even for a pitcher. Just be consistent, and it's been okay. The inside corners open up in the first three innings, and then it's gone in the next three innings. You know where does it go? But uh, I'm not sure how to correct it. I, w- I would err on the side of letting these guys try to do a better job because there's something obviously in the technique or what they're seeing uh, that is not allowing them to call balls and strikes the way they should or as consistently as they should. But also at the same time, I've never sat behind home plate and tried to call a 94-mile-an-hour slider. I've never tried to call a 96-mile-an-hour sinker. It's a hard job. I respect yep. what they're doing. But, yes, I do believe that they can do better Yeah, because it's having an impact. I just – I mean, yeah. Look, I don't want to stand behind a plate and try to – and look at a 95-mile-an-hour slider, Right. I don't want to see one. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really want to be back there. I'm not interested in that position. So I do have respect for these guys who get back there and do it. But for the integrity of the game, and honestly, for the, all the things that baseball wants to do, right? I mean, they want to increase the offense. They want to get, you know, they want to, to their own arguments, they want to decrease strikeouts <clears throat> because they've been such a huge, it's been such a huge number the last two, two years. Well, you can do that if you call a tighter strike zone. I mean, that's the deal. I'm going to invent something right now. I just had an oh. epiphany. Ooh. You know the Google glasses where you could like read yes. the internet on the inside of the glasses? Oh, my God. How, about, how can we can't have a, a, a strike zone illuminated in the glasses <sighs> that they can see ball or strike instantly and make the call? Holy shit, Blummer. You just blew my mind. This is like that scene in Night Shift when Michael Keaton is like, why don't we feed mayonnaise to the tuna fish? He's like, note to self, call Starkist. Like, Blummer, yeah. get on the phone with somebody. Call an inventor. Patent that shit The clear specs. You can see everything happening. And when the when it, the pitch is not coming, there's no strike zone in the glasses. You can make the call. But, man, have the strike zone in the lenses. We can see immediately. Make the call. And if somebody bitches, you can say, hey, bro, I just saw it hit. It clipped the edge. <laughs> Oh my God, dude, Blum! Look, man, this is why yep. you, this is why you Mark are who down. you are. That is speaking of being on fire. That's the most genius hey, idea I've ever done. Finish. Look, holy crap! All right, baseball, you're on notice. Get them glasses yeah. moving. It, call. I was going to say call Elon Musk. Don't call Elon Musk. We don't want anything to do with Elon Musk. Call. <clears throat> Somebody smart guy may not want to be involved. Yeah, I get it. Get 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 Stanford on the phone immediately. Get the engineering oh, department. Stanford, come on, man. <laughs> Heck Cal. Let's go. Right okay, here. call these get, guys. Get, call these guys right here. Right, Cal. Get MIT on the phone. How about that? We'll get MIT That's, on the phone. Oh, I can we'll handle engineers that. I can on handle this that. problem. Call NASA. <laughs> NASA's got to have some of those kind of glasses laying I'm around. Going to right, Lake City tomorrow. <laughs> You should get down there immediately. You'd be like, I'm listen, get a patent on this thing, <clears throat> guys. We got to get this started. Last thing, by the way, we have another crazy series. The Diamondbacks have just—they are relentless against Philly. It's amazing. And and your buddy Steve Sparks said something yesterday on the radio that absolutely floored me. I could not believe it. And that is, 
in the entire history of the Philadelphia Phillies franchise, they have never played a game seven. Yep. Unbelievable. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. Until now. They're going to play one tonight. That is yep. the craziest thing I've ever heard. And all my rel- all my in-law relatives who are in Philly are going to be beside themselves tonight, I'm sure. But yeah. what a wild series That's, for them. It's an interesting series. Yeah, it goes to, I don't know what the quote is, but it's like the age and treachery of the Phillies up against the youth and exuberance of the Arizona <laughs> Diamondbacks. Right. You know, uh, matching up. It's been it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I think the Phillies are a better team, but yeah. that's why we play the game. And I tell you what, there has been a lot of fight in the Arizona Diamondbacks. For yes. them to win that game six behind Merrill Kelly, that was that was very interesting to watch and see them go out there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly intrigued intrigued and excited about game seven for them tonight too yeah and, sure. and kudos to baseball whatever the baseball gods are doing because i am never <clears throat> going to give rob manford any credit for this <laughs> but having two game sevens in these championship series thank you major league baseball thank you teams yeah because they're exciting as hell man i love it the stories have been great uh the series like you said in the national league has been phenomenal and we get it we get another nine innings of, of game seven i just literally got goosebumps it's awesome dude, dude it's it's the two best words in sports game seven it is yes, not, 100%. It is just, any, it, any sport. It's just it's just absolutely it's absolutely phenomenal. And you know, listen, the the Arizona Diamondbacks are having to face the I don't know if it's like the reject cast of Duck Dynasty, but that's sort of what it feels <laughs> like out there. And I mean, it is crazy. The watching those and and I'm you know. I'm in, obviously ensconced in Astros when it's postseason, but man, watching some of those games are bonkers. Mm. Like, I honestly, as a, selfishly, as just a fan of like fireworks yes. and baseball, I want to see the Phillies and Rangers. It's the two best yes. offenses in, in baseball. It's just like crazy how much power they have and how much dynamism they have as two squads. But God, I cannot help but root for the Diamondbacks. They have been. Just relentless, just relentless. Just they won't go away, and I love that. Mm-hmm. And they have guys <clears throat> overachieving. You love seeing that in the postseason. Those guys that overachieve. You you mm-hmm. talked about making a name in the regular season. Some of these guys are making their fame right now, having a big a, a NLCS. No doubt about it. Well, hey, you played there, Blummer. You played for the Diamondbacks. You got to. I have, did. I'm, any... I'm always cheering for that X team. Yeah, there you go. I was figuring you'd have a little rooting interest there. At are least... you ready? Are you ready for this connection too? Oh, I'm ready. So obviously, I I, I got paid by the Diamondbacks. I'm not <clears> sure <throat> I played all that much for them because I was hurt the entire time. Fair, fair. <laughs> but the one of their center fielders, Alec Thomas, mm-hmm. was shagging fly balls for me. And the White Sox in 2005 at the age of about four or five years old because he was the son of the strength and conditioning coordinator, Alan Thomas, at the time. So wow. there's a connection there. And it was really great to see somebody that I, I saw at five years old now getting a chance to play in Game 7 of the NLCS. Ooh. So, that's, I mean, I'm partially kind of on – I want to see Alec get in there. That'd be great. I, I was. I thought you were right then going to say, I'm partially responsible for how great he is today. And then I was going to be like, no, yes. I, I th- no. <laughs> I was like, I feel a little responsible for his success. I taught him everything success. he knows. He shagged my fly balls. What do you think about yeah. that? <laughs> nice. I mean, granted, he came running in, but whatever. No, <laughs> they weren't hit very deep. Well, <laughs> you know, like you said, you got paid, but you didn't play that much. So, uh, yeah. so it happens. You were in the – I like to call it the twilight. 
of your career. You're in the in the yes. in the in the golden days of, of the mm-hmm. yeah, so that's fine. We all go through that, Plummer. Listen, you can still hit a baseball a lot farther than ninety five percent of people out there. So you can <clears throat> you can just translate you. it to the golf course. Yes, please. <laughs> That's the main thing. All right, everybody. Thanks mm-hmm. so much for joining us uh, again. We're going to have – look, the offseason is upon us. The hot stove league is going to happen. We're definitely going to need to sit down and start thinking about what the Astros are going to do move-wise. We'll see it, what shakes out with the managerial situation. I'm sure we'll that'll come to some kind of conclusion over the next couple of weeks. So please be sure to stay tuned. Thanks to everybody who's been listening throughout this postseason. I saw the other day we're, all, we're up in the top 30. Um, baseball Hey-o. podcast. So just uh, really appreciate it. You can find us on uh, social media on uh, X um, and, and Instagram at yeah, Believe in thing. Astros. Um, you can find Blummer and I pretty much everywhere because we are social media hoes uh, at Blummer27 and at Jeff Balky. Boats and, and hoes. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. And thanks for everybody who's been following this whole season. I mean, you guys are awesome. It's been a crazy, crazy, crazy mm-hmm. season. I mean, really, truly. Like nothing I've kind of ever witnessed. Um, And, you know, all good things come to an end, I guess. Uh, But the Astros are still Mm -hmm. really, really good. Let's not forget that. And so, you know, they're going to make some changes this offseason. They're going to come back fired up and ready to go next year. Um, And listen, what? TK said on the postgame last night, what is the first game? First call, 224? Is that what I heard? 224. Unbelievable. It's it's October the 24th. Six months from now? November, December, January, February. That's four months from now, Plummer. <clears throat> oh, shit. In four months. I better months. get ready, man. Dude, you better start prepping now. Space City uh, yeah, Home Network. Get ready. Yeah. <laughs> you better get ready because here it comes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.